Hello, lovely podcast people. As the title suggests, hopefully, this podcast is about weighing your food raw or cooked. And obviously, this is to do with um, tracking calories. In, in fact, funnily, uh, yesterday, judgmental Sarah. No, she's not really, but you're just joking around. I She saw me weighing some chicken and then... I proceeded to put some barbecue sauce onto the plate that I was going to then dip the chicken in. And she said, you're not going to weigh that, uh, jokingly. Because obviously when you work with clients, sometimes you need to remind them, oh, well, you know, the, the cooking oil that you cook with, that needs to be accounted for if you are someone who's tracking calories. They're like, oh, I'm only eating this many calories. It's a bit like the funny story I've mentioned before about someone who messaged me saying that they tracked everything they ate, 100% of what they ate, but they could not lose weight. And they were asking me about exercising in the fat burning zone. And they just slotted into the conversation about, you know, that weekend they'd had a bottle of wine. And for whatever reason, I just said, just, I don't know why, you know, you've, you said you track everything you eat and drink. I just want to double check. Did you track the wine? I'm sure you did. You know, you track everything. You've got every calorie accounted for. Did you track the wine? And their response was an expletive. No, should I have? Oh, my goodness. Anyway, so these things. So she was just taking the mickey out of me. Are you going to track the barbecue? And I was like, well, no, actually, I'm only protein tracking. So I'm thinking of potential, potentially booking a little last minute getaway and a couple of friends and... I, so I'm like, ah, you know what, I'll just uh, diet a little bit, you know how it is. So I'm just protein tracking. This is something that we discuss within m and and I've discussed elsewhere is, you know, there's different levels of tracking. What you need to do to be effective depends on your goals and where you're at. Anyway, so I was weighing the chicken, but one of the reasons I was actually, no, so I was weighing that chicken for the meal and, but it's part of, relates to this podcast. There's also a bit of well, of finance within this podcast. I occasionally have been buying cooked chicken. So, you know, it's just, I obviously have these prep kitchen meals. I've switched my subscription to more the fat loss based meals from prep kitchen, but I'm having some kind of some snacks of just very protein based snacks which is essentially chicken and um, and nothing else. And, and okay, okay, a tiny bit of barbecue sauce in this instance because the chicken was a bit dry. So I bought, for instance, the chicken in Sainsbury's where I was, was like 13 to 18 pounds per kilogram. Uh, I don't know where I've said this elsewhere, but people who are like, oh, it's, you know, it's only X pounds for four of them are like, yeah, but what weight, what size? Always per unit measure. I think I said this on my stories and lots of people kind of started interacting with it. It was obviously a, a subject close to other people's hearts. But anyway, because I haven't been cooking myself because as I've said uh, uh, before, I literally exclusively eat for my main meals, these prep kitchen meals. So there's very little reason for me ever to cook other than this instance where I then went and got just some uncooked chicken breasts and they were about six pounds per kilo, but they lose weight. And that is my long-winded way of getting to this point of this podcast. Now, if you are going to 
weigh raw or cooked, you simply need to understand what it is you're measuring or what you're tracking. There is no hard and fast right answer should you weigh your food raw or cooked. However, there's perhaps a slightly more accurate or slightly easier way of doing things. So in this instance, I bought this raw chicken and it will display the nutritional values on the raw food stuff that you buy. And therefore, if I put 150 grams of chicken into the oven and I track it raw, I'm done. That's it. I know what I'm, I'm getting from this scenario. What I did was a little experiment on cost in terms of how much do these chicken breasts, how much um, weight do they lose when they're when they're cooked or, you know, baked to a certain degree. And then I can compare the cost. As long as the moisture, how moist, some people don't like that word, so I'll say it again, moist, the um, chicken breasts are. So I actually cooked them too long and uh, they were a bit dry, hence the barbecue sauce, Sarah. But for instance, they, they went in the oven at about 800 grams and they came out around half the weight. So that six pounds per kilo really turns to a cooked chicken weight of around 12 pounds, which is still more economical than many other options. But obviously you've, you've used time. So yeah, it's funny, you're paying 18 pounds per kilogram. And realistically, if you just spent the time just chucking it in the oven yourself, if you haven't got the time, if you've got the money, fine. But I have just got this background of working with athletes and students and always wanting to be giving, you know, economical advice, not wasting money for the sake of uh, wasting money. But this is the case in point. If you for instance, scan a pack. Lots of people use apps and you can scan the packets. Great. You're using something that is specific, cooked data. The problem being is that one, all nutritional information is variable. You can literally from season to season, like potatoes or whatever, can vary so much in terms of their starch content, their carbohydrate content. I say so much. It's not a game changer. This is why consistency is so important. A level of consistency. I've said this on one of my guest appearances. I think it was the Flex Success podcast because they asked me for like, what's your top tip? And I was like, oh, you know, where? And my mind just went straight to this thing of like being consistent. If you can just get a level of consistency, lots of people really struggle with their food and their nutrition and lose faith in calorie counting because they eat in such a widely variable way with such a small deficit, you know, 250 to 500 calorie deficit based on an equation that is just a prediction and then based on nutritional information on a packet, which is somewhat inaccurate. And then based on, you know, their level of activity that is highly variable day to day and then based on their own, you know, genetics and based on their own absorption of those calories and their own storage and, and all of these different things. And then based on their own ability to track accurately and, you know, bites, licks, nibbles, will and say sucks of lollies. Um, just little extra calories from these just little, you know, I first day of dieting for me 
I instantly found myself eating the crusts off Orlianalo's toast. You know, it was just there on the plate. It's what I always do. Bam. Do I did I track them? Did I weigh them? No. I'm only protein tracking, so I'm not calorie tracking because I just do my I've got other episodes on this. Maybe I can link them in the show notes, but eat as little as possible. Eat as little as you can diet. So this is, you know, that I'm going back to the consistency thing. When you've got all of those variables, you need to try and create some consistency. Consistency in your activity routine, consistency in your eating routine, consistency in the types of foods that you eat. So at least you have a baseline idea of then tracking progress and going, right, this is what happens. And you can then move from that point. But on this basis of should I track raw or cooked weights it's it's a difficult one because it just doesn't really matter you need to track what's specific to you and your situation if you are buying cooked chicken you have to track cooked chicken if you are cooking it i would recommend tracking from the raw weight as your baseline because as i've said i cooked mine for a bit too long so it shrank much more it lost lots of its water at least at baseline you've got this baseline figure of you know and plus or minus depending on how much glucose or water they add to the chicken breast it's not going to be miles off the baseline data that we have for calories and protein etc within chicken breasts so again some people just maybe not great with numbers and find it hard to sort of understand some of these things. So I will just say that you've also got things like rice. We've got 100 grams of uncooked rice and we've got the nutritional value for that. Again, dependent on how you cook that rice, it's going to end up at a very different weight once you've cooked it. It could be four times the weight. You cook 100 grams of rice, it might turn into 400 grams of cooked rice. But if you're buying a packet of microwavable rice that's already really cooked, you need to use the data on that packet, the cooked weight, the packet weight. I've eaten 80 grams of this 160 gram packet, for instance, or 160 grams. I ate, I ate the whole packet. Look at the nutritional information on that packet. But with things, you know, as I've said, if, you've, if you're cooking the rice from scratch, use the raw weight. So this is probably the most common intelligent answer that you'll get outside of it depends is probably tracking raw weight is going to be more accurate in the long term. I was actually when I was thinking about this podcast and and weighing I can't remember what I was weighing exactly. Hmm. Oh, it was yogurt. There you go. So I was having some Greek yogurt. And I just thought, again, this is something that I've posted on my story once before. And people have been like, oh, my goodness, why have I never thought of that? And it, it is one of those things that you just sometimes you think of it, sometimes you don't. Easy when you know how. But how to weigh, you know, accurate tracking is important, especially, especially if it's things like almond butter, cashew nut butter, these sort of very high calorie density, albeit nutritious foods so for instance putting the getting your scales putting your bowl on them and you're putting the spoon in the bowl and then turning on the scale so it's at zero this is just like that extra step of accuracy because you it's that those licks those nibbles those sucks those bites that you don't track that yeah they might only be 
100, 200 calories here and there. But again, if you're someone who likes, who prefers the kind of longer, slow diet, they turn your small deficit into an even smaller deficit. So essentially what it was is then I had my, I took the spoon out and it went to minus whatever grams my spoon was. And then I put in around 200 grams of, uh, of Greek yogurt and then left the spoon in because that will tell me exactly how much Greek yogurt I've put into the bowl. Some Sometimes people like, you, you're putting the, you know, people, I've, I've seen sort of, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't mean this in a mean way. Neurotic type individuals. You know, scraping it off the spoon, using a second spoon to try and make sure and then leaving the spoon out and then weighing it. And there's, you know, it's it gets a bit much. It's the same level of neuroticism as of what I've described, but it's just you're making life hard for yourself if that's the levels. If these are the levels you want to go to to ac- track accurately. So, yes, leaving the spoon in and then it's just like whatever's left on the spoon, you are tracking. Um, because that's you're going to lick the spoon. You're going to. Yeah. You're going to put that in the bowl and carry on eating with it. So um, it was just a little thing that I thought in my mind, do you know what, if I'd record this podcast on raw versus cooked weights. Now, for some of you, this is going to be such a, yeah, this is so obvious. But just, it's one of those things. If you are a practitioner, these are some of the things that I get asked about. Clients may well ask you about. It's good to, to you know, put this information out as basic as it may seem to you. One of the other things to consider is if you, I cooked a big, I cooked all 800 grams of my chicken at once. And then so knowing that it goes down to, let's make it easy, down to 400 grams. I think it was actually 384 grams or something crazy, like less than half. And um, so, yeah, I really overcooked it. Chill out. You know, knowing then what factor, if I am tracking the raw weight, I then know, okay, actually, let's make it 400 grams. I know that a hundred grams of raw actually became 50 grams of cooked. So if I am wanting to have 150 grams raw weight chicken, that means I'll be eating 75 grams of my cooked weight chicken. So you just, if you're going to do batch cooking, then, you know, there's, there's maybe just a little bit of mass there for you to do, or just again, you do, lots of these things you don't have to be hugely accurate fr- from, you know, if, if you were batch cooking, say, four meals and you're having rice or potato, whatever, you can just portion it into four portions. You know, if one of your meals has 90 grams and one of them has 110 grams, but the average is 200, it's understanding you're still obeying that principle and you don't need, you know, some people would be like, oh, that's an issue. It's nutrient timing, like absolute rubbish. You just need to abide by the principle of the goal that you're after which in this case of fat loss, we're really looking at calories and secondarily protein. Yes. So I did have a, I did have a, as I was weighing that Greek yogurt, I was thinking, oh my goodness, I don't know what made me think of this. If I was talking to someone, WhatsApping at the time or something, but yeah, my first bodybuilding competition where I would have been weighing stuff out in the way that I was that evening a few days ago, 20 years ago, I was dieting for my first ever bodybuilding show. Oh my goodness, what a... And to still be talking about the same things, like, come on, let's give me a round of applause for my durability, for my persistence, for my ability to continue talking about the same boring rubbish for so long to help others. I don't find it boring. And it is helpful. 
And it's one of those things of understanding, like everyone has to start at some point and there's conti continually going to be new beginners in the industry. And I understand that I'm not now a point, but hopefully I can stop. I, I wrote down at the beginning of this podcast, flexible and also myths. Because there's so many disempowering myths and things that I saw online from bodybuilders and, you know, the top names in the industry at the, at the time that I got into it were just absolute charlatans. Um, you know, the, the biggest names, I'm not even anywhere near the biggest name in terms of following um, or influence, but I have the small role that I can play hopefully trying to steer, steer people in the right direction of I wouldn't for the life of me when I was competing or dieting consider that I could have some tasty barbecue sauce with my chicken and I and I'm sure you know I will have done other podcasts I feel like what there's a podcast that's like what foods can you eat on an aggressive diet podcast I will get someone to look up the show that I discussed that so that can be linked in the notes if you're interested but again it would have made my life so much more sustainable enjoyable less obsessive less damaging with regards to my relationship with food if I had had that understanding of having some barbecue sauce with your chicken is not going to you know in a calorie controlled fashion as in tracking the, that barbecue sauce whilst I was then eating X number of hundred grams. Like there's this, when I was, I don't know, 18, 19, I was on a documentary on, on TV and they followed me and a, a, some others into a, a bodybuilding show. And they gave us a, you know, celebrity nutritionist, celebrity personal trainer. And what the, the nutritionist on the show, he's actually based in Birmingham in the UK. And he is a complete numpty. He's still a numpty today. And he sells courses and he still works with athletes. And he, I've seen, he's, he, he's kind of a tired old man. I think he probably is a bit upset that he hasn't maybe had the level of success that he wants or he believes he deserves. And so I've seen him actually trying to call out some MNU certified nutritionists on their posts. And, um, I mean, it's embarrassing. I don't know how old he must be now, but late fifties maybe. And he's trying to take down these young, new, budding nutritionists giving evidence-based information. But because he's a has-been, I just think it's one of those things. Orly said something very profound last night that, that I might do a podcast on or something. But just basically, I know why he, she said to me, I know why sometimes children uh, do mean things. It's because maybe they're lonely or they're sad and then they see you having fun. It makes them more sad and they want to try and stop you being happy. And I was like, oh, my goodness, you literally are a philosopher, Orly. You are amazing. And so I think that's probably what's happening with him, um, sadly. So, yeah, and it was just one of those things. <clears throat> he, I, I can remember he, he, he gave this diet plan. And on mine, it was literally like 12 egg whites. I probably got it somewhere for breakfast. This is me like an 18-year-old, kind of quite skinny, 12 egg whites and with porridge oats and water or something. It was just the most minging meal option for breakfast and it was only one option that was that unbelievable anyway so just lots of the stuff with regards to relationship with food I, I wrote down that thing about flexible and I might do a podcast on you know the importance of myth busting by the evidence-based community because sometimes you can people really can be so misled and disempowered by them but anyway I've gone off topic 
this could have been a two minute podcast. I'm well aware of that. If you are here and you want, you're going to leave me a, a bad review. Oh my goodness. I should have started this with reviews. Those of you who are still here, super fans, you're probably the only one still listening at this point. So that's great. Love you lots. Please, if you listen on Spotify or even if you don't and you have the Spotify app, you can now review podcasts. They launched this. I only found out yesterday. Uh, if you wouldn't mind just going into the app, leaving it just a little, you know, five stars is what I'm asking for. If you think it's only a four star, like, oh, goodness, ah, that hurts. Um, if you think it's three, why are you here? And if, you, if you're a troll and you're going to leave a one, you're a disappointment to your parents, but go ahead and do it. Uh, <laughs> if you've seen the film Get Hard, the follow-up to, there's a film called Get Hard, Will Ferrell and Kevin Hart, and they're doing practicing trash talk, and Will Ferrell goes, you're a disappointment to your parents. And then the next line is horrendously explicit, so I'm not going to say it. But look it up. It's so on YouTube. It's If you're into crude humour, it's hilarious. Those of you who have seen it, I hope you are sitting there, standing there, walk, doing your steps, laughing, knowing what he says after that. Just takes it, goes from naught to 100. Anyway, please go leave a five-star review. That would be really cool if you would do that. The one-stars don't hurt. It's the it's the two to fours. You know, if you're a troll, I'm giving you some tips here because I'm kind. You know, kill them with kindness. Go and leave me a two star review because I won't know it's you. And I'll think maybe you're actually a genuine human who's come and listened to my podcast, thought it was so terrible, not wanting to give me a one. Because this isn't a one star podcast. Like, there's no way my podcast is one star. Like, it's it's two to five. Two, if you just, I really grate on you. You hate me. You hate my voice. Um, you hate how I go on tangents. You know, three is just like, oh, this is average. Like, oh, do you know what? A three, maybe that's the worst one, a three, because it's like, yeah, it's he's tries, but it's average. Like, <clears throat> that makes me feel physically sick. So there you go. Leave me three stars if you're a troll. If you like me, please, five. Thanks. Don't do four. Just lie. Just just a white lie. Orly has such a moral compass. She won't lie to get on rides at at theme parks and so if it's like oh you need to be seven and she was six she was like no i'll just stand and watch i'm like you can't that's a safety risk i'll get put in prison you'll get taken away from me if i leave you while i go on the ride you have to lie for me she's like no and i'm like oh my goodness right you've ruined the whole trip no it was quite good they never asked the age and we got on so where was i <laughs> i'm just being the person that people hate on youtube I hope that's been helpful in very small places and interesting. And I will, I'm, I no doubt have missed some stuff. I think the reason I'm rambling is because I thought, you know what, there must have been more to say about Raw versus Wade. I mean, it's a very simple topic when you know how. And because it comes up in question boxes, should I cook my food raw or, or cooked? Should I weigh my food raw or cooked? I don't get any more context. So... The final thing is, is it's really the water content that you're worried about. So actually, when you cook an egg, the nutritional value actually does change. The protein becomes more power available. But we do, you don't need to go into that. You know, nutritional values for one medium egg, one large egg, whatever type of egg it is you're eating. Uh, don't worry about micronutrients. Oh, let's not even go there, actually. If you have follow-up questions to this podcast, please fire them my way. And maybe I would do a follow-up or re-record if this has been incredibly unhelpful. Anyway, love you lots. And until next time, much love.